and welcome to Movie Grouch and Fanboy Podcast. My name is Bex and I'm a big old movie grouch and here with me is a resident fanboy, it's Blake. Hi there. Hello. If you haven't listened to us before, you have stumbled across the movie review podcast where we take a film that I've avoided watching for very stupid uh, or inane reasons and we have a watch of the film, we have a chat about it and this is that chat. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Anything you want to add? No, that's it. I think you summed it up. Cool. So before we dive into this episode's movie, we will have a little chat about what we've been watching because sometimes we watch stuff separately. Anything you've been watching? Oh uh, yeah, I watched Point Break the other day. Oh yeah, I kind of stumbled in a bit. Which is on epic. That bit. Like the original, not the terrible remake, which is really good. Uh, I love that film. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good. Well, you've actually seen it. I've actually seen it. Yeah, I love that film. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, and just some bits of us. And Great British Menu's back. So I've been watching Woo-hoo. Great British Menu because I'm a chef. So I like cooking and that's cooking at a level that I've never got to or have no desire to, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> that's good. I don't think I could cope with the stress if you were suddenly going to cook at that level. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really watched an awful lot. I've tried to watch things and I haven't. It just hasn't happened. Okay, so cool. yeah, um, I've been trying to finish my book, which I have just finished. So that's a win for me this awesome. week. What was this episode's film? We watched 2007's No Country for Old Men. Yeah, we did. We did. Sorry, I'm doing my hair. I've got my hairband stuck in my hair. Class. Have you got the synopsis, please? Oh, I have, but I've just got to put my hair up. Soz, you're getting cross with me now, aren't you? You're like, time is of the essence and she's wasting it. So I've taken the synopsis from IMDb. Violence and mayhem ensue after a hunter stumbles upon a a drug deal gone wrong and more than $2 million in cash near the Rio Grande. Awesome. Cool. That that is a good synopsis. Mm. That is basically what happens. So a couple of scores and some reviews. So IMDb it is 8.1. Rotten Tomatoes score from the critics is 93% and the audience score is 86%. So pretty high across the board. Um, It was really difficult to find sort of funny slash negative reviews about this film because it's pretty much beloved. But the... (laughs) These made me chuckle. So, um, and they're back to back on the critics' review page on Rotten Tomatoes. You've got to go fairly deep to find them. Top three worst movies I've ever seen. To see such great actors in such a stupid movie is pretty rare. If it wasn't for the actors, I wouldn't have bothered wasting two hours of my life watching this garbage. That doesn't make any sense. No. And then, by damn awesome performance, if he, Brolin, had not go back to the crime scene, there would be no plot. Now, the reason I picked that is because that's hilarious. If if he hadn't have done this, there'd be no plot. Okay, so let's take Point Break for a, for a story, and if he hadn't have done this, there'd be no plot. If Keanu Reeves didn't become an FBI agent, there'd be no plot. You can say that about any film. That is a terrible way to say that's a bad film. He goes back to the crime scene to give the guy water. He doesn't steal the money. The money comes home with him when he leaves during the day. Yeah, I know, exactly. So he's got that But wrong. it's just, this, what it's, it's a ridiculous statement to make. Yeah. If... You know, E.T. didn't come to the planet, there'd be no story. Oh, I love E.T. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's, you could say that about any story. You it's look like mental. that's really upset you. I, it's, it's not upsetting, it's just a very odd way to, um, it's just a very, it's just really, I just don't know why you would say that okay. about a film. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. question number one. What stopped you from seeing this movie in the past? I thought it was more of a, I thought it was a Western. Okay. 
and also my mum and dad saw it and didn't like it. And I... <laughs> Let's not use your parents as a gauge for whether you Generally, like a film Generally, if my parents see a film, I kind of avoid it because my parents watch an awful lot of trash. So them not liking it should say otherwise that you might like this. Yeah. Yeah, that is quite true. Like, that is quite true. Like, generally, if my mum and dad say we're going to the cinema to see this film, unless it's like a Lord of the Rings or a Star Wars or like something big, I generally avoid it because I just can't get over the fact that they went to the pictures to see Geostorm. Did they? Yeah. Wow. They like all the really bad, yeah, like disaster movies. They go, they go and see. Interesting. It and I'm just like, oh, so the direct okay. reason for you not seeing this is effectively your mum and dad. And you thought, it was, a we- and you, and you thought it was a Western. And I thought it was a Western, yeah. Fair enough. That is, that's amazing. What a start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so given that information, next question. What was your preconceived idea of this film, other than it being a Western? Or was that it? Wait, You're smiling. This is really good. <laughs> What's that film? Where all those old men go into space? <laughs> is it Space Cowboys? With um, Clint, Clint Eastwood. Eastwood. Robert Duvall, is it Robert Duvall, Clint it's Eastwood? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, one. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm fairly sure they went to the pictures to see that, and I kind of thought it was going to be. Please tell me you've amalgamated the two films like, in your head. A funny, oh, no old men are allowed in here, out you go, that kind of <laughs> right, thing. Right, okay. But then I found out that it was about drugs, and I thought, oh, maybe it's a little bit more serious, but I kind of thought it was at some point there was going to be an old man kind of thinking, mm, I shouldn't be here. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that if that's what I thought, brilliant. if that's, that's what I that's... thought, I think you can see why I avoided it, right? Yeah, who <laughs> would want to watch that film? <laughs> it sounds awful. <laughs> Old men can't go in there, or we're going to space. No, you can't. Oh, I think it's a western. <laughs> but like in, in your head, this, I want it. I want you to write this story out. <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> I've got nothing better to do. I'll, I'll write it. Uh, Not, no coaching for old men. Vex is cut. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, uh, can you please talk us through the opening scene and set up? Yeah, sure. So, um, it's set in 1980, which I didn't get. I was thinking about it in bed a couple of days after we watched it. And I was like, I don't know whether it was like a an era piece like set in an era right or whether it's set in modern day and i think it, it could have gone either way because i don't really like you see some sort of old uh, um kind of like sleepy american towns don't you and it, it is almost a little bit like time has stopped so it could have just right. been okay. like i know what you mean it's just a little bit behind the times or so i didn't think it was particularly obvious that it was set in the 80s um, the styling was a bit ambiguous. But basically, we meet... I'm going to say that again uh, without basically, because I say that all the time and it annoys me. So, hitman Anton Sugar, played by Javier Bardem, is arrested in Texas. He's taken into custody and we see him strangle a deputy sheriff. There's a beautiful shot where you see just a pair of uh, dead legs, scuff marks from the boots of the sheriff and Sugar walking through the seen in inverted commas so then he kills uh, a random driver with a pusher outer and that is the technical term for a captive bolt pistol which i believe is what they use to kill animals so that's fun for everyone to know uh, he stops to fill up with petrol and spares the life of the gas station owner based on his call in a coin toss i didn't like this bit because the man reminded me of my granddad and he looked really confused and helpless but it was good because he didn't get killed with a pusher outer so that's 
plus. Yeah, are you going to keep saying push it out? I am, because okay, that's what cool. I referred to it in the uh, when I was watching it. So, stop. This is serious. Stop laughing. No, sorry. We then meet Llewellyn Moss, who's played by Josh Brolin. He's a hunter, and he comes across what we learn is a drug deal gone bad. So he finds a ton of dead guys, dead dogs, a man begging for water in a truck who is badly wounded but still alive. There's a stash of drugs in the vehicle and $2 million in a briefcase which Moss tracks down to a tree with one of the dead guys resting against it. He's obviously tried to escape and the others have gone after him. So he takes the money and returns home and we meet his wife Carla, played by Kelly MacDonald. And I just want to point out, it makes me really happy when I see Kelly MacDonald pop up and stuff. She's called you. Yeah. I just like the fact that she's getting some really great roles and like still working because I'm totally transporting. That was, I think that was the first thing I saw yeah. her in. So he tries to sleep but feels guilty for leaving the guy who needed the water in the truck and he decides to go back to the desert with some water. Why he thinks this man will still be alive is a bit odd. I mean, we don't know how much time has passed but he was in a pretty bad way and it's Texas. It'll be hot and it's as hell. Hot, yeah. Um, you know, it was light when he saw him and now it's dark because yeah. he's in bed. So yeah. I think it's a bit of a long shot that yeah. he'll be, he'll still be alive. But anyway, Moss returns to the desert and is caught by the others involved in the deal. He's pursued by two men in a truck and escapes into a river. They set a dog upon him, which he then shoots uh, and he gets back home and sends his wife to stay with her mother as he knows people are going to come after him and he doesn't want her involved. He doesn't know who's coming after him. Mm -hmm. But at that point, he knows the likelihood of them dropping it is pretty low. He drives to a motel in Del Rio, where he hides the briefcase in his room's aircon or like yeah. air vent, yeah, air duct. So I think that is the opening scenes and setup. Cool. That's what I. Yes. No, that's cool. So anything to add to that? It got me from the get-go. Right. Okay. I mean, I know I had to ask because it was a bit awkward. Timing was a bit awkward and we were trying to eat our dinner while we were watching it. So I know I had to ask for it to be rewound so that yeah, I could yeah. see, I could listen to Tommy Lee yeah. Jones's character bit. But I, it just really sucked me in. Absolutely sucked me in. It had a really bleak feel to it, but at the same yeah. time, it felt like a Western, but not a Western. Yeah. And yeah, it felt like a Western, but a Western that I wanted to watch. Yeah. Normally I don't yeah, like yeah. to watch Westerns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did when I was having a look at um, Wikipedia and stuff, which is where I've, I've taken bits of the pl the plot from from Wikipedia. They describe it as an American neo western crime thriller. Okay, cool. Which I mean, just sounds a bit pretentious. But those first scenes are, are great because they set up the characters. You just have like this undertone of suspense and kind of this feeling that it is just all going to kick off. And the shots of like the landscape shots are beautiful there's some really lovely some really not say lovely um but some really nice scenes where when Llewellyn's out tracking whatever he's hunting yeah. he's following blood on the floor and that's mirrored later on in the film when he's um when fighting he's, with somebody yeah. and it yeah it just was stunning just cool. absolutely stunning brilliant yeah Okay. So, oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, cool. I like that you picked up on so much of the tonal stuff because normally you have trouble finding tone. Sometimes I feel. Do because, I? Yeah. No. Not 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 in the sense that like <laughs> like the last couple of episodes because you you you're too worried about the minor details. Oh, Whereas okay. this time I was really expecting you to say stuff about whose house is that and stuff because to you that's been quite important because this you're just chucked in from the beginning. There's no. Yeah. There's no like this is him, this is him. You just kind of meet the characters. Yeah. And we don't know a lot about any of them. 
No. But this, think... in this film, that doesn't bother you. And that's just really interesting. No, And that I gives to say the power of the story. Yeah. The is good enough. The story. Yeah. I was like, I don't really give a shit where Anton Sugar's come yeah, from. Yeah, that's He's really like, cool. Incredible. So that cool. is that. Okay, and so from there, story arc and plot development, so middle, middle of the film. Sugar right. is hired to recover, or has been hired to recover the money, uh, and he gets on the trail of Moss. He arrives to search Moss's home where he uses the pusher outer to blow the lock <laughs> out of the door. And there's a stunningly lovely shot of him sitting drinking milk with his reflection um, in the TV. And that's one that's used to great effect when Terrell County Sheriff Ed Tom Bell, yep. plays by Tommy Lee Jones, gosh, that's a mouthful, takes up Sugar's trail and also turns up at Moss's home after he's left, or after Sugar has left. And uh, Bell does exactly the same thing as Sugar and you see that shot again and it's it's just it's really really clever we find out that there's a tracker in the briefcase of money that moss has and sugar basically goes to track down the the money uh he goes checks in at the same motel that moss is staying at and kills a group of men who are waiting to ambush moss in the hotel room that he's got it gets a bit confusing here so basically moss has come back after a trip out and suspecting someone will be coming for him he's rented a second room adjacent to the room with access to the duct where he hid the money he retrieves the briefcase just before sugar opens the duct uh, but sugar can see kind of the tracks of the briefcase being pulled and kind of figures it out so moss moves on again to a hotel in the border town of eagle pass he discovers the tracking device but Sugar has already found him in that hotel. They fight in the street and both end up wounded. Moss flees across the border to Mexico chucking the case of money in weeds along the Rio Grande. Finding Moss severely injured a passing band to take him to a hospital where Carson Wells another hired operative and that's Woody Harrelson tries yep. and fails to persuade Moss to accept protection in return for the money. Sugar cleans uh, and stitches up his own wounds with stolen supplies and the way that he steals them is genius. He basically blows up a car in front of the chemist. So all the windows are open, they've been like blown to bits, and he just walks in and gets what he needs. Uh, which is fair enough, I guess, because it's all behind the counter. And he wouldn't have got that without a prescription, so actually it's pretty clever. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't get a lot without a prescription. He patches himself up, which is a pretty harsh scene. Yeah, it's pretty it's, yeah. brutal. Um, and he sneaks up on Wells at the hotel and Wells unsuccessfully attempts to barter for his life. Moss telephones the room and Sugar answers and he vows to kill Carla Jean unless Moss gives up the money. Moss retrieves the case from the bank of the Rio Grande and arranges to meet Carla Jean at a motel in El Paso where he plans to give her the money and hide her from danger. Carla Jean is approached by Sheriff Bell who promises to protect Moss. Carla Jean's mother unwittingly reveals Moss's location to a group of Mexicans who have been tailing them. Bell reaches the motel rendezvous at El Paso only to hear gunshots and spot a pickup truck speeding from the motel. Bell enters the parking lot. He sees Moss lying dead. When Carla Jean arrives, she's, she chokes up upon finding out her husband is dead. Awesome. So I think that's like, that's like the middle bit. Yeah, me, yeah, yeah. We're close to the end. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anything? I, it was paced really well. It was just beautifully shot with like really fantastic use of light, reflection and pattern. Is that the thing that you were hoping I was going to get? Uh, it's, I'm assuming you're specifically on about the scene with the car lights and the shadow in the doorway. Oh, I don't know. When Tommy Lee Jones goes into the apartment. Is it Tommy? Uh, it's, I think that happens later. Oh, does later. it? Oh, okay. But yeah, just, yeah, just all the light if you just watch it just watch for reflections and patterns and the way that it seems lit it's just it's stunning and there's a beautiful beautiful kind of twist of irony 
where Moss once out hunting has now become the hunted and that was just really quite poetic I think it's paced really well you got into the story you really wanted Moss to get free although you were kind of hoping that Sugar caught up with him because he just was so unhinged you didn't know what he was going to do next suspense and the drama and the will he won't he get the money out of the vent without him hearing will he get away it was fantastic i didn't believe that he was dead yeah you had, yeah you didn't you were like he's not dead and up until that point i really loved this film okay up until where moss dies it's it's flawless absolutely flawless and i was really excited because i was like fucking hell this is the film that i've slept on this is the one that got away and i've i've got it i've got my oh my god i can't believe i didn't watch that moment and then moss died and i was just like so should we go into what? closing scenes so that night bell returns to the crime scene and finds the lock blown out with the push Pusher router after, yeah Shiger hides behind the door after retrieving the money Belle enters Moss's room and sees that the vent has been removed. And there's a beautiful bit where Belle walks into the room and I think it's like a reflection in a TV screen or in a door or something. And it's just really distorted. Yeah. And actually that mirrored the confusion in that scene really well. It just added to that overall sense of like, what is going on? Because you could see Sugar, but I didn't... Was he in the same room with him at that point? Because it was really hard to see. Like Sugar was hiding from somebody... But I thought surely he would have hit. Surely he would have we killed, killed Bell. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. So I was like, was he in the same room? Is he not? Where right, is he? Okay. Don't understand. Later, Bell visits his uncle Ellis, an ex-lawman, and tells him that he plans to retire because he feels overmatched in inverted commas by the recent violence. Ellis says that the region has always been violent. Weeks later, Carla Jean returns from her mother's funeral to find Sugar waiting in a bedroom per his threat to Moss. She refuses his offer of a coin toss for a life, stating that if he kills her, the choice is his. He can't put it down to luck. Shiger checks his boots as he leaves the house. Why? As he drives through the neighbourhood, a car crashes into his at an intersection and he's injured. He bribes two young witnesses for their silence and escapes the scene. Now retired, Bell shares two dreams with his wife. In the first, he lost some money his father had given him. In the other, he and his father were riding through a snowy mountain pass. His father had gone ahead to make a fire in the darkness and wait for Belle. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Okay, so why does the film fall down after Moss dies? It's a boring, horrible, terrible ending. It's just really dull. I could not figure it out, right, if it was a film of three parts. I wondered if there were, like, three different perspectives. What I learnt while I was doing the research is with the book, the book is written from... Belle's point of view and I actually question whether you need that character because he doesn't really do an awful lot see so right so yeah but don't you think that so what I so say this is where I obviously see something in the film that you don't and that's not like I'm smart no 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 I'm hoping so, that you like, do so what it is because what what I think Belle brings is he's a really good cop like he's fucking smart so like if you so you, like throughout the film you almost see like a lack of effort from him yeah when he's investigating yeah it's because he knows what's worth time what's not worth time because he knows how quickly these things move along so his lack of interest isn't a lack of interest his experience is telling him to behave this way and do this instead right okay so in like because he knows that he's not going to get whoever he needs to get 
So he's not not investigating it, but he's also like, this is just not, in a sense, it's not worth his time, and he knows that. So I'm like, oh, he's really good. He's good enough to know that he's older, mature, and this is worth following up, but only certain details, because the rest is moving so fast, he's not going to catch up. That's my take on it. That's not what I think... That's no, not I what think the story is. I, th- I, th- I think that's a fair point. That there's obviously a reason why they made the ending the way that they did. But I was just like, you, we've had... You remember when we watched Alice in Borderland? Yeah. And they played the game where they're in the... Not the zoo. And is it in the Botanical Gardens? Yeah. And they have to make with the, with the, yeah, the sheep yeah, and the wolf yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yes. And, they've got and the net, ending. Yeah. And we were like, whoa. Yeah, that's intense. That's really yeah, intense. Yeah. It was a bit like this. Because I was thinking, like, you, they went to such efforts to kind of show that interplay between Sugar and Moss. Mm. And all of a sudden that's taken away and you don't get that closure. But isn't the closure that Sugar... He's just dead. Isn't the closure, though, that Sugar got away? Like, this story isn't... You're not supposed to be feeling happy when you finish. The, but the fact the bad guy got away... You're a little bit like, oh, shit. No, but I really thought Moss was actually quite a worthy adver- adversary. Oh, yeah. he didn't seem scared by him at all. No. And the guy was, like, fucking mental. Yeah. I don't know. I felt a little bit cheated. Maybe okay. Maybe that's my bad for wanting it tied up neatly in a little bow right. for me. Maybe yeah. I'm a bit of a basic bitch when it comes right. to that. And okay. I wanted, like, a nice ending where everybody, where we find out, things is kind of spelled out maybe that's what i was expecting i don't know but yeah i really felt that the ending let it down and i was really disappointed and i yeah i I kind of when the dog woke up and i was left to watch the last 10 minutes on my own i was just like "Mm, do i even bother okay (laughs) right fair enough sorry (laughs) that's fine that's cool and i feel really angry about it i feel really angry about it because i honestly it nearly had you it really did and that that beginning those first, those first two thirds, if we go by our breakdown, yeah, um, it had the same vibe as Nocturnal Animals. And right. Okay. I was just like, this is insane. It's incredible. It was really um, just beautiful. Just everything about it was absolutely captivating. Amazing. And then he fucking died, and I was like, oh god, this is poo. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, nearly, nearly a perfect film for you. Um, <laughs> Only a third of the film to sort out. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you have, did you have a favourite character? I really liked. She wasn't in it very much. I think like I really liked Josh Brolin uh, as Moss. I thought he was great. Josh Brolin's always great. Yeah, he is. He's but I, cool. but I also really like Kelly McDonald because she was quite a she's quite a sweet character. Her and Moss had a quite a quite a sweet relationship yeah. even though she seemed she just at the end when he was waiting for her in the room she was just resigned to it and she was just kind of like you know she had a chance to get out of it and she was like no you can't yeah. you can't blame it on did, fate yeah. Yeah. or you can't blame it on luck quite this tough. is do yeah it was yeah. and she seemed sort of her whole demeanor through it she seemed quite sort of like moss was there wanting to protect her and mm. make sure that she was looked after and she seemed sort of quite frail and just adorable. Mm. Um, and there she is kind of staring this fucking evil son of a bitch in, in the, the eye face. and just going, right, okay, if you can do it, you can do, do it, it and you'll have to live with consequences kind of thing. Awesome. So I think that that's a real, yeah, strength there that I wasn't cool. expecting that character to display. So yeah, I think Amazing. she's my favourite. Cool. Did you have a worst character? I didn't really care for Woody Harrelson's character. I'm not a big Woody Harrelson fan anyway. Okay. He's not in it for very long. No, he's not. You know? He's not in it for very long. 
Spoiler alert. No, that's cool. Okay, cool. Did you have a favourite scene? Yeah. I think leading up to when, when Sugar's figured out where the money is and where Moss is in that first hotel when he's put the, the money in the air vent. And then that whole bit about him coming home and getting paranoid that somebody's there for him and he's got to move the vent, get another room. Just just that bit was beautiful. Cool. It was really okay. unsettling. And is that a scene? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like a whole bit. Yeah. yeah, no, I think it counts. Did you have a worse scene? Yes, the scene that I've just mentioned because he puts the briefcase of money in the event and I... Right, so obviously you you have claustrophobia, yes. but he doesn't go in it. So just sort of the, the view of it is enough to set, sort of it's, make you a little bit what? Yeah, it's the thought of, right, you're going to have to bear with me here because this is difficult to explain. But what gets me is being in an enclosed space and like not being able to get my arms to... Like, if I had a nosebleed or something and I couldn't get my hands to my nose, that would really freak me out. Okay. Just not being able to move. So, don't laugh at me. But the briefcase going in, like, if the briefcase needed to open itself, there wouldn't be enough space for it to do what it needed to do. <laughs> right. For it to function properly, and that's what freaks me out. Because then The I briefcase think, not functioning. Yeah, it, like, it wouldn't out. be able to open up, would oh, it? Oh, no, poor briefcase. And then probably somebody like me would have to go in and it's just like, look, sometimes when I was a kid, right, I used to drop something down the side of the bed. You know, like when you used to have your, you have your bed up against the wall and there's like a bit of a gap. I sometimes things would drop down the side between the bed and I would have to put my hand down to try and get it. And that made me think about being a mouse and I didn't like it. <laughs> Oh my, being a mouse, terrible. <laughs> it's because mice can get into small spaces and I was just like, no, nope, can't okay. deal with that. It, it, oh, it makes me, it's made me go funny now. Well, there we go. Cool. So next we have scoring soundtrack. So the guy, the composer was a guy called Carter Burwell. He has worked with Joel and Ethan Cohen. I, I believe all of their movies. Um, he's also done some really cool, He well, I say really cool, but he's like, he's done some big big soundtracks as well as these films um he's done the he did the twilight saga okay he did um all of the cohen's he did a knight's tale and the founder um, but he's got a huge catalogue of movies um i feel the soundtrack was brilliant oh, well it wasn't really a soundtrack no, it was but a the soundscape sc- score if you let's call it a score there wasn't was incredibly any. um haunting there's 16 minutes of music in that film yes yeah, quite a lot for it you know, it's, it's quite, two hours. Yeah, it's decent, isn't it? But I think it was all really good. My point is, it sits there, lovely in the film, and it adds texture to the scenes. Wait, can you can we just back it up a little bit here? When you say score, are you talking about like the engine noise and the the wind whistling, or are you talking about actual music? Actual music. There wasn't really any actual music in there. Sixteen minutes it. of it. Yeah, but it adds depth. Okay, I'm really struggling. That's okay, that's fine. We'll I'm really struggling on. to think of that. We'll I just on. got like the engine sounds and kind of like the hum of stuff and like the wind and the. And I just thought that was genius. Yeah, it was genius. I did, yeah, I really liked the fact that, that that was used. I don't really. can't explain to you why it's genius. But it is. Because you are smarter than me and <laughs> you'll probably tell me why I'm not smarter than in you. a minute. Um, so, uh, directors and the other work. So, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Now, ironically, two of their other films are on the list. 
So the three that are on the list, along well, the two that are on the list along with this are arguably their best between the three. So it's uh, Fargo and The Big Lebowski are the other ones we'll, we will do for the podcast. They also, I mean, they're back up again. Just great writers and filmmakers. Not everything is solid and really good. Like Burn After Reading's okay. The remake of True Grit was decent that. but not brilliant. I've seen that. No way, that's class. The Ballad of Buster Shrugs was kind oh, of cool. Seen that. Um, so yeah, no, like, but like, yeah, really cool filmmakers, really quirky filmmakers, yeah, really unique voices. I get the Coens confused with Wes Anderson. I could see, I could kind of see why Wes Anderson's pretty, he's a lot more comedic, yeah, he's Grand Budapest, yeah, and yeah, yeah, um, Moonrise Kingdom, and all that sort of stuff, yeah, yeah, Royal Tenenbaums, which is great, and yeah, so yeah, cool. Have you got? A fact. Yeah, I have actually. Cool, so fine. Okay, well, let's see if it's the same thing. Mine is to do with casting. Okay. So Heath Ledger declined the role of Llewellyn Moss. Wow. To spend time with his new daughter. Okay. And scheduling conflicts meant that Anton Sugar could have been Mark Strong instead of Javier Bardem. That would have made a very different film, I feel. I'm like, As much as I love Mark Strong, I'm kind of glad Javier Bardem yeah. stayed in the role because I think it it was incredible. Apparently Javier Bardem didn't want the role because it was too violent and too gory for him. Okay. But he he's wanted to be in a Coen Brothers film for so long that he said yes. Wow. But that's not what I was going to say. So there was a study done into like by like a, a group of psychiatrists and it, like about movie psychopaths and apparently Sugar is the most accurate portrayal in movies of a psychopath, according to a group of psycho- psychologists. Okay. Just is know. that knowledge that we want out there for psychopaths to? Well, I use? don't know. It's out there. Well, well, I don't know if they'll use it. Will they? <laughs> Like it's, well, it's not like it's not like oh I like you don't just choose to become a psychopath after hearing that, do you? If you like, <laughs> look, is that knowledge? Like somebody's gone. Oh, now that I know that, I can go psycho. Cool. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, movie gratitude fanboy. Well, no, I think it's a valid point though. No, you're you're weird. So, did you fall asleep? Yeah, I did. Did you? Yeah, I did. Right at the end. Like to be fair. My eyes did that thing where they kind of like close and you know, like kind of... You start to look like a pirate. And I'm like, oh! Yeah, they just closed very gently and I was in my happy place and then I was like, no, this you shouldn't be doing this now. This is bad. You've got okay. something else you should be doing and I woke up again. Cool. But it was the it was Tommy Lee Jones's scene at the end and I was just like, meh. Okay. I'm not going to rewind it. Cool. Um, are your prejudgments correct? Definitely not. There are drugs in it. Yeah. I can see why my mum and dad wouldn't have liked it. Yeah. I think that's about it, really. So, no, no. Yeah. I mean, there was no people saying, no, this, you're too old to come in this country. No. <laughs> was there? But apparently that is from a poet. That's from a poem. It's the title of a poem or a line in a poem. I read about... I was going to talk about it, but I can't remember the point now. But it is... It's like a, an Irish, 18th century Irish poem. Okay. Final thought. It was superb up until the bit when Llewellyn Moss dies and then it just all rapidly descended down the crapper. Okay. Is that what you have to say? That's all I've got to say. Well, I think your interesting take on it is very... I'm glad you... <laughs> it's very interesting. I, but I, you're wrong. Uh, no, you're not wrong. You can't be wrong when you have an opinion after you've seen a film. 
<laughs> you can be wrong before you've seen it because you don't have the context. Okay. Little you, barb there. Thanks um, for that. I, I do love this movie. Do you? Yeah. Shocker. You know, I've I, I've changed my opinion on some of these films and how good or how bad they are. Um, but I think this is brilliant. I do think Javier Bardem is fucking terrifying in yeah, this. He is. he is. It is one of the best bad guys since Darth Vader. I that think. haircut. Yeah. Alone will yeah. do it. I I think the fact that he is just so stoic throughout. Mm. There's no change in his tone, emotion, his speed. He all he's never running. He's always walking when he's chasing yeah. someone. Quiet. He takes his shoes off when he has to be quieter. It's it is yeah. he, he really is unsettling. Yeah. And I think he's the best bad guy since Darth Vader in a film for me. I don't think I'm gonna have nightmares about him the way that I have nightmares no, about I'm Darth not, Vader. Yeah, though. but you had yeah, I mean no that's fine. But I'm saying since like for me, he is up there in the top tier of bad guys in in fil- in films. Yeah. New question that I chucked in last episode: uh, rewatchability. Would you watch this film again? Yeah, I would, but only up to the bit. Okay. My mom's dies and then I turn it off. Cool. And then, would you, if it was on telly, would you start watching it if it was fifteen minutes in? Yes. Cool. Okay. But not to the end. No, that's fine. But you would, <laughs> you you you'd be in. Cool. Okay. Um, square a ten, please. Seven. Seven, that's fair. And that's purely, I'm not grading the end of the film, I'm grading the two thirds that I have to. You have to grade the whole film. You can't. Well, then I'm knocking a point off for the end six. Okay, cool. That's fine. Six. I don't know why I'm writing that down. that down to join all the other scores that we've put in the bin and haven't made a record of. Six. Brilliant. Are you going to score it out of ten this week? Uh, Do you want me to? No, it's up to you, really. I mean, you eight and a half. Eight and a half. Cool. Anything to add? I'm disappointed that I didn't love it all the way through. Right. And I feel sad that I didn't love it all the way through. That's cool. And I think as well, like what you're saying about Tommy Lee Jones about him being like he's a really good cop. I like he's obviously kind of old and tired. Well, the char- the character is old, old and tired. And tired. <laughs> of like the violence and the conflict, and I I took him leaving a lot of stuff to the younger whippersnapper. Almost as like training him up. Right, yeah. So okay. that's kind of why I thought like, oh, he's sort of testing him to see what he can come up with mm-hmm. and what he can do. And I, I, I don't know, if he was really that great, would he, I think he might have been a bit more successful at stopping him murdering Moss. But maybe that's just because I'm obsessed with Moss dying. So I oh, like, it, apparently. Okay, no, that's cool. Oh, like, and as well, obviously it won Best Film at Oscars, Best Performance in a supporting role for Javier Bardem and Best Director, and it won Best Writing as well for Adapted Screenplay for Charlie and Ethan. So, like again, like Oscar wise, it's done. It did really well. But Javier Bardem got Best Supporting. Yeah, because I guess Josh Brolin would be as Llewellyn Moss would be the main character, the leading. Wow. I don't know that, but I'm assuming that's. I don't know how they judge these. I mean, according to according to what I've read, it's quite a faithful adaptation of the it was book. A book. Yeah. 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 But the, like I say, they're with a couple of tweaks, but the book yeah. is mainly set from Bell's perspective. Cool. So there might be stuff in the book that they just didn't include yeah. in the film, which yeah. might tie things together a bit better Definitely. for me. Who knows? Cool. Who knows? What are we watching next then? Come so we are watching a film that's very close to my heart from my childhood. Yeah. It is Jackie Chan's 1985 police story. Okay, cool. So, like, obviously, one of the big reasons I got into movies was because my mum and dad. Brought me and my brother up on 
a multitude of uh, martial arts films. Mm-hmm. Um, and Police Story is one of the earliest ones I remember watching. I haven't seen it for years, so it should be really interesting because it is it's old, but it's a classic Jackie Chan film. And I want you to watch it because I remember having great memories of it. I love it. And given recent conversations about movies, like you actually really like good action thrillers. Like I've noticed, like if you give you a good action thriller, so like The Raid, mm. Thirty Hours in Benghazi, Benghazi, you know the one with Jim and Roy. Jim and Roy, you really liked. <laughs> yeah. You love the you like the Bourne films, so I think mm-hmm. like there's there's so this might fit into that remit of errors that you'll you'll like even though it's older. Okay. So, okay. Um, and also you're really interested in the new um, Michael B. Jordan film action film that we saw watch a trailer for the other day I forget what it's called now oh yeah and you were like oh that looks really good so oh yeah the one where he's um he's gone rogue yeah yeah we're gonna go back to the 80s for one that not many people have seen well I'd say not many people I don't know how many people have seen it but it was a big part of my childhood God, you are sleeping on that fanboy status, not knowing how many people have seen that film. <laughs> yeah, no, what is I know. wrong it's, with you? And the thing is, well, I don't know how many listeners were, would have seen it as well. I've only just found it on Amazon. Shh, so. they'll make us pay for it. Uh, I think it's already behind a paywall. Uh, always behind yeah. a paywall. Listen, Amazon, if you're listening, we know what you're doing. Yeah. We know you've got access to our film, list. Yeah. And you're putting all the films yeah. under a paywall. Yeah. We know and we well, don't gee, think we it's didn't clever. We did for this one. It was free. That's only because we didn't really talk about it that much before. Yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> hey, yeah. we've just put the podcast on Amazon as well. They might pull it. Sorry, Amazon. Yeah, we know you're everywhere. Sorry. Sorry. Our overlords. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite true. Right. Anything else? No, that's it for me. If you've liked what you've heard... Please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Leaving us a review would really help other people find the show as well. That would be amazing. And also sharing episodes, tweeting, Facebooking, Instagramming, stuff that you like, episodes that you like would be really, really appreciated. We will remember you when we have world domination. Um, like Amazon. You, yeah, you can, you can help coordinate our evil plans or my evil plans. Blake's probably got good plans. You can pick which team you want to be on. If you have a hilarious or embarrassing movie-related story, you can tell us by emailing moviegrouchfanboypod at outlook.com. If you are hating on this week's film, if you are loving this week's film, drop us an email and let us know. It'd be cool to know what you think. And you can follow us on social media and be part of the crew. On Instagram, we are moviegrouch and fanboypod, and that's all words. And on Facebook, we are moviegrouch ampersand fanboy. That's it. We hope you are enjoying the relaxing of restrictions. If you're in the UK, stay safe and we'll catch you on the flippity flop. The flippity flop. Flippity flop. Flippity flop. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. So then. That's it. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Anything Lovely. else you want to bring up? No, that's it. Blimey, we're boring this week, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Keep them interested, right? See what we're going to say next time. <laughs> so, well, a good two minutes. We're never this short on the intro. It's okay, um, it's not a bad thing. What's the matter? Stop talking like that. Oh. Uh,